Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. going on everybody tennis bets is back u.s open day two underway we're on the tennis channel youtube tennis.com facebook and tennis bets twitter the panel's back to break down the very best bets of the u.s open twice a week going forward joined by the panel kenny Ducey, pamela maldonado and zachary cohen let's get right to it uh pamela welcome back to the show fresh back in america from your italian uh, extravaganza but we're into day two of the tournament, and I got to ask you if anything stood out going into the second day, still in the first round of the early action with just matches everywhere. I totally just sat back and watched how the matches were coming to play because the weather conditions were actually vastly different than what I expected. 70 degrees, cooler temperatures, and I was like, okay, maybe players like Roundage, who I liked pre-tournament, aren't going to do as well because now the cooler conditions are going to favor somebody like Stefano Tsitsipas. Felix Algier Aliassime, his down season continues with a bust out in four sets to Mackenzie McDonald, which was one of the predictions that I made could happen. Um, Tommy Paul looking solid. Um, I mean, Taylor Fritz looking fine as well. Lorenzo Musetti uh, dropping out early in the first round to a non-ranked player in five sets was something that I did not expect. Same Martin and Fuksevic, so that was always watching. It's always a joy to watch him um, flex. Yeah, well, yeah, and I think it was Kenny who pointed out that he's in the tattoo game at one of the very best with, uh, you know, forgive me for my sins, I believe. Forgive me for my sins. What a great yeah. tattoo. It's an interesting tat. I'm going to go gonna go now to another member of our panel who is finally riding high. And not too long ago, he did text the group and say that, you know, if I lose one more pick, I might not do the show tomorrow. But Zico, Zachary Cohn, back in the winner's circle going into uh, day two. So happy to hear it. And what's been uh, going well for you? I think that was Kenny that texted that, by the way. And it was about a very specific match. But I had a really good run in Cleveland. And, uh, in Cleveland, And I think that I'm now feeling good at the U.S. Open. I had a good first day. Um, you know, just from yesterday, I thought it was really impressive watching Tsitsipas return Raonic's serve. Tsitsipas had not been doing well as a returner in recent weeks, so seeing him just kind of breaking regularly against one of the best servers in the sport was interesting. And then Holger Runa losing, you know, six-match losing streak. That's a guy that I'm sure some people thought would make a run. I know that we collectively didn't think so, but it's still pretty wild to see him losing in the first round. Yeah, that was uh, shocking. We're going to get to the crash outs in a second, but we also have our man on the street uh, with some fanfare behind him as I look at this. Kenny Ducey joining us from the U.S. Open grounds. Kenny, what's been uh, standing out to you? I know Tennis Norway and Casper Ruud. We got those storylines as well, but you've had some good picks as well. Some of the, the some of the upsets actually hit pretty well. So thoughts on day one of a jam-packed U.S. Open? Thank you. Yeah, I had a great first day. You know, it usually is all downhill from there, but it, it really has been a great start to the tournament. I, I'm actually, you know, Pam mentioned the Musetti loss. 
I think we got to start, you know, really looking into this true gay guy. I mean, he did beat Tennis Sanger and he was looking really good in qualifying. Some really good wins there, Gareen and Kofayans as well. Uh, so that was shocking to me because I thought Musetti was a sleeper in that quarter. And I, I know that obviously no one's going to win Novak's quarter, right? But I thought he would go to the quarterfinals and maybe we get a rematch of that French Open match, which of course was very eventful two years ago when he uh, retired after he blew a two sets to love lead against Novak on clay. And he'd been playing well. So that was surprising. But yeah, I mean, I would just, the one thing I will say is it feels like the crowds here get bigger every year. Like, I don't know how they're allowing as many people in at this point, because I'm telling you at 10, 15 a.m. over there on court five and Holgaruna gave court five a bad name. But at 10 a.m., one hour before the match, really one hour and 15 minutes before the match started, you could not get a seat for Berrettini and Umber. That is how big the break point effect is. And uh, people love Berrettini and for good reason playing well today but yeah. uh, it, it's it's been packed with people here and it's been a lot of fun so we're gonna have a lot of picks this is a pick heavy show a lot of the futures are still in play so it's not really worth adjusting those uh but i do want to get to the upsets that we did see in day one the crash outs early Olgaruna, felix ojl and maria sakari on the women's side both tragic for a couple of different ways zico starting with some of these names we can kind of bounce it around i want to hear what pamela and kenny have to say but Let's look at Holger Runa. Had not won a match since Wimbledon, and that's just a jarring stat. So I know there's injuries to be played, but it's hard to really, you know, he was upset about court five, but you got to handle your business early in these majors. Yeah, and I think with Holger, we were kind of getting on Alcaraz for playing the Hopman Cup. I think that Holger played a little bit extra tennis at a time where he maybe shouldn't have been. He's someone that we've been questioning his fitness for a while now, and it doesn't seem like a coincidence that at this point in the year he's now ice cold. And then I also think he's a player that struggles on outdoor hard courts. So this is kind of a perfect storm of him, you know, going out early. And then just to kind of touch on Sakari, she's becoming one where it almost seems like you could fade her in the first round every tournament, which is, you know, tough to say because she's one of my favorite players, and I do think she's incredibly talented. Yeah, Pam, I just want to comment more on Holger because we still like the potential. He does have to kind of get his mind and his body right for these deep runs, but it just was doomed from the start, it seemed. Yes, it was. Um, Runa, despite all of the losses that he's had, he's had a really up and down season. It was also goes very well into what I was saying earlier with it's slower conditions, it's cooler temperatures, and that's going to work out in favor for a player like Roberto Cavallas by now, who is a... Uh, no he is better on slower surfaces on clay. So this is not saying that it's clay court <laughs> similar, but I mean, it does very much just like work towards that type of player composed to, mm. as opposed to somebody like Runa who needs that fast pace and yeah. maybe somebody, something mental is happening there because I mean, to lose in four, I mean, I don't know. It's just, there's gotta be more there than meets the eye. And I'm just curious to see how he comes out of this for next year. Yeah, and Kenny, that's exactly how I feel too about Felix. There's something more there. He's yeah. under five. He's under 500 on the season. So this is not even in Holger's case where this is a really bad stretch. This is the entire 2023 season for FAA. Well, I mean, stretches don't get as bad as 14 losses in 16 matches. I would say that's a very bad stretch for Felix. But yeah, I mean, it's been the whole season for him, right? And I think that's one of the things. And I don't know. I mean, maybe he was just riding the high off of finally winning all those titles last year, just going on a run. I, I thought he was going to win the ATP Finals. This guy looks unbelievable. Um, and now all of a sudden we're in a position where we don't know when his next win's going to come. We don't know if he's going to be. I mean, is this guy going to be in the top 100 in, mm -hmm. in a couple months? I don't know. I mean, all his points. He's going to have to defend all his points. So I think that's a that's a very, very interesting storyline to look at. But uh, in terms of the court conditions, I just wanted to point out, since I've been watching Automatch today, today a lot warmer. 
Uh, a lot of the moisture has has left. Um, I know that it was overcast earlier in the day, but the courts are playing a little quicker. But to mm-hmm. Pam's point, one thing I will say I really noticed last year here is the late night matches will play a lot more like play matches. We saw Pedro Caution come through some epic five setters, some epic matches when his when he went on his run last year. He's obviously a clay court player out of Argentina, but later in the night the courts really mm-hmm. slowed down. We saw that with with Avashka and Sinner as well. Avashka Dominic really Sinner. Dominic team yesterday. Yesterday was a much slower day. Although, again, if that match is played today in the afternoon, I think it's a little bit different. But regardless, I would say I wouldn't play the cold tournament like clay, but I would really target yeah. those later matches the in the late day. Matches, like yeah. even later on in the yeah. day, a guy like, you know, uh, Yannick Hanfman against Yannick Sinner, right? Like Yannick Hanfman, we know he loves – he's obviously a, a big server, but he does love to play on clay. There's a lot of guys later on in the day I think you could maybe target. And maybe a guy like Demon Orr struggles, even though he's been yeah. great on the hard court, slower surfaces. So I, that's what I would look at. The courts, the court conditions are going to change as the day goes on. Which is why I like Carlos Garritos as my pre-tournament prediction because he is going to play a lot of those night matches yeah. and it is going to be cooler, slower, cooler conditions. It, that's yeah. going to highly favor him. I felt like Djokovic was trying to like break the course record yesterday, though, in his first round match. Didn't it feel like he was just trying to set the record for a quick win? Looks like Medvedev is trying to do that right now. Yeah. Uh, Zico, before we move on, and, and I have one more thing on the men's side, but Sakari, I mean, it's, it's just been tragic for her. That's eight straight majors not past the third round. And it's kind of crazy. Her ranking is still as high as it is, but the mental confidence isn't there. And you look at some of these players, Anj Jabor is a good example, too, as uh, someone that doesn't always hasn't always had her best stuff. But you have to find a way to win these matches when you're not at your A game. And Sakari, for whatever reason, hasn't happened in these majors. Yeah, and I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think mentality is just so important going into these tournaments. I had friends texting me this week saying, you know, why is Javor such, you know, a long shot at this tournament after making, the, you know, the final of Wimbledon and seemingly being a player that would have the ability to win this tournament. But you know, I don't think she's confident right now. She said it herself. She's having trouble getting over the Wimbledon loss. So there's these things are just really important. I think that, like you said as well, Felix, it's just – there's something mentally there. He's lost the confidence that was there at the end of last season when he, I think he beat Alcaraz late in the year. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and the last thing I do have on this big topic is uh, Holger's out. That was his section. We'll go around starting with you, Pam. Who does this open up for the most? Who do you think this really does open up for the most now that Holger, the top seed in that section, is out? Because a lot of people were saying Tommy, Tommy Paul being the opportunity. I did I take uh, Tommy Paul. I did a podcast on Sunday, and Tommy Paul was my prediction at six to one to come out of the of quarter three. So um, I was never worried about Runa. I was never really worried about Casper Rude. I think he's gonna he struggled in the first round. He's gonna probably continue to struggle. I would say the most competitive player for Tommy Paul would maybe be Francis Tiafo if he if he happens to defeat Casper Rude maybe in the fourth round. Um, but if not, I think. Tommy Paul here has a really good opportunity to come out, yeah, Victor. Are, yeah, what are the yeah, odds he's going to say Casper Rude here? Uh, I don't know. They got to be just as good as uh, Balash's odds of coming back against Medvedev right now. Uh, no, I know. I think we all knew what this quarter was. This quarter was a joke from the start. We knew it because Casper Rude and Holgaruna, if you want to look at the top seven, top 10, maybe top 20 seeds in the tournament, they were clearly the two coldest. I mean, you mentioned Holger hasn't won a match since Wimbledon. Casper Rude, uh, one and two on the hard courts. During the hardcourt swing, five and eight or six and eight, rather for the now he's seven and eight because he he, thank, he thankfully got through Emilio Nava. That was what a battle that was for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we all know that you know really, especially now with Corda out. Corda had the injury last week. He goes out to Fuchovic. 
it's definitely Tommy or Francis that have to be considered the favorites here. But I will say the sleeper in this quarter, you guys know who I'm going to say. It's the man who won in easy fashion against a fadeable player out of the Czech Republic yesterday, Yuri Lehechka. It is Aslan Karatsev, man. He's going to face potentially Tommy Paul in the fourth set, <laughs> or in the fourth round, rather. And that's a very, very difficult matchup for him. He's got Carbeas Bayena tomorrow. That's a, that's a very, very winnable match. He should crush him. And then Dominic Timor and Ben Shelton. And you saw with the odds on Ben Shelton, he's just minus 140 favorite tomorrow against Dominic Team. There's a lot of skepticism it's towards Dominic Team or towards yeah. Ben Shelton at the slams. Ben Shelton's slam record. I know he had a great run in Australia, but yeah. really last year he had a disappointing loss here to Nuno Borges, right? right. He has yet, yet to really prove to us that he's a grand slam player. And uh, he's, had some, he's had some really great wins in the first year of his professional career. He's also had some really bad losses. So that's a match he could lose. And again, if you take Shelton out, Karatsev really marches into the fourth round here unless he beats himself, which we know he can do. But that's, that's the only guy I see in Tommy Paul's way. I don't see Francis Tiafo as a really major player in this quarter. I just don't think he's really putting the same effort into his tennis right now. I think he's enjoying the fact that he's a top 10 player. He's got Michelle Obama and Barack Obama coming out to watch him, right? And, and I think he's just, he's loving life. And that's great for Big Bo. But the way he got here was a lot of hard work. And I think right now he's, he's just, He's, he's not, I wouldn't say he's plateauing. He could still go further in his career, but we have not seen that same level that we see on the hard courts from Francis over the last two years. So yeah. I'm a little Can concerned you with his No, I, <laughs> there's a lot of good insight in there. It's just, it's insane that every year we do this and Casper Rude just backs into another semi and everyone's like, I don't know how this happened. I don't like, know. I do think, though, that Tiafo points a good one and Paul is peaking, so it's understandable why he's the guy that a lot of people look at here. Um, want to just get into the picks now because there's so many of them. We got a full board of matches. This is great. A uh, lot to go around the room with. I want to start with Pam because we've got a few that we're talking about. One of the matches in progress now. Haven't checked the score. We'll get an update on it soon. But you got the over in hatching off Michael Moe at 38 and a half games. Now that this match has started, um, in retrospect, taking Mo on the plus games instead of the over was probably the smarter play. Um, but, I mean, you know, Michael Mo, he is in a bit of a groove. He's playing every week on tour right now. He's pushed Borna Torridge, to, who is a great counterpuncher, a great defensive player, to three sets at Winston-Salem. He pushed Herkoch, who to three sets, two tie breaks in Washington. So that tells me that Mo can definitely handle the pace of play of a heavy hitter, and that's exactly what Hatchinoff is. Whereas Hatchinov, we haven't seen him play since the French Open. He's been in and out of injury. So in retrospect, taking the plus games <laughs> was the smarter play. Um, but my idea was just that Hatchinov is still still a top 25 player, and he's still competitive. Yeah. So even if he does come back from out of injury, playing during the day, uh, Kenny alluded that the conditions are better suited right now for a fast, faster yeah. server, big hitter. So maybe this continues to go on. Um, Mo right now is up once at 6-2. So. <laughs> Yeah, and Zico, got to tie you in here. This is one of your underdog picks looking good so far. He was on the Michael Mo train pre-match. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I got the graphic wrong. It's supposed to be hatching off. You know, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> I wish it was Bertini. But uh, no, you like Michael Mo in this one as well, plus 140. And uh, it's good so far. I guess the question I have is, is there ever, are you riding this out? Or is this a hedge situation? If Mo gets in a position of power, do you like to hedge at all? No, I'm writing this out, and the only thing I'd actually be worried about would be Hachinov just retiring or something. I think that there's, you know, he pulled out of tournaments in the last couple of weeks, so I could see him just, you know, not wanting to compete anymore, especially, you know, if it does get hot, you know, something like that. But, yeah, just, just one where, you know, Hachinov hasn't played in three months. 
and you're going against a really athletic player in Mo who makes the court a lot smaller for you. The margins are really small for a player like Hachinov right now who he could practice as much as he want, but there's nothing that, you know, simulates a singles match, you know, especially at a Grand Slam in New York. So I think that Mo was a really good value at plus 140. It ended up, I think, coming down to plus 130. Mm-hmm. Kenny, before we get to your first pick uh, of the show here, thoughts on this match, the action that our other panelists have? Yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. Uh, I think hatching off, you always want to fade a guy who just has not played a lot of tennis. And I, I, I actually really see both sides here with Pam and Zach, because while I do think Mo was an easy pick, I think the line tells you a lot. They still, the books still believe a little bit in hatching off. I do too. I mean, he was really playing close, pretty close to a top 10 level right before right. he had this battle with injuries. So I definitely don't think Michael Mo's going to make this easy. Uh, it's deuce in the second game of the second set right now. Uh, and you know, he could easily break and, and take this four or five sets. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that Hatchinoff has a lot left to give and I would hope that he could maybe find his level here in New York, familiar feelings. And also he's got a lot of ranking points to defend after going to the semis last year. So yeah. I, I think there's a lot of reasons to like Hatchinoff to play well in this match. Mo's level will drop and Hatchinoff is not going to stop, uh, giving it his all on the court. He, he's got a lot to play for right now. Certainly does. This is going to be a good one to follow, and I agree with not hedging, especially when you feel like the guy can win and looks like the better player early. Uh, makes sense. Uh, Kenny, you got a match in progress right now. Uh, first set, you've got ARV, Ramos, Vanolas, plus one and a half sets at minus 160 versus mm-hmm. new pro, the talk of the town, Alex Mickelson. We're fading some Americans on today's show. I just want to point <laughs> that out with some of our picks, but Talk me through. Uh, sorry, I mean, this is actually uh, Zico's pick. Yeah, I was going to. I'm rolling through. I want to get the live ones out of the way. Sorry, my bad here. We I was like, struggling. nope, definitely not mine. No. Okay, so Zico, you're going ARV versus Alex Mickelson, plus one and a half sets. And I look at this as an experience pick. Is that fair to say, or do you see other reasoning why you think ARV is going to keep it close? Nope, you got it. I was I was watching uh, last week when Mickelson played Jera, and he just kind of looked like he was playing against a kid who had no idea how to construct points or really just how to win a match. So I think that you play against a guy like Ramos Mignolas, who just has a ton of experience. I know he hasn't played very well at all in the last year, not even on clay, but I just think that he's going to figure out a way to get at least a set in this match. I think it was actually, it was plus two and a half sets at minus 160. So yeah, I just need uh, Ramos Mignolas to win a set, but I did sprinkle the money line and the uh, match started with Mickelson going up 3-0 early, but Ramos Mignolas has really woken up. So I do think this is going to end up getting really close. I like these bets too. Best of five, you've got a lot of match to work with and you've got a player that's not as experienced. I don't, I mean, I wouldn't, sprinkling the money lines the right right call, I would think, but this is a player that uh, hasn't been here before. As great as the prodigy and the talent is, he's playing a, uh, a veteran. All right, Kenny, this is one of the picks that you did highlight as one of your favorite picks of the day. Might not be the match that's getting the TV time, but Westian against Altmaier, you like him plus 105. Walk me through this from every angle, because I think we need to know your logic on this one. <laughs> well, I, first of all, SCN's back, baby. I mean, this guy is the dollar store version of Daniil Medvedev. He plays an excellent brand of tennis. He, he, he plays a lot of great defense. He's crafty out there. Uh, a great defender, and I think that's a very tough spot for a guy like Daniel Altmaier to be in. I know that he had a good U.S. Open here last year, nearly beat Yannick Sinner. Uh, and, you know, he did beat Yannick Sinner at the French Open, but... He has lost his last two matches. He has not performed that well on hard courts. Uh, just seven and nine this year on the surface. Last CN, 10 and 10, but coming on strong of late. He obviously went and won the final of the Stanford Challenger. We saw Emilio Nava, the guy he beat at the final of the Stanford Challenger, how well he played yesterday. 
I think he's playing really, really solid tennis. And I know he bounced out the Dominic Cup for at Winston-Salem, but who cares about Winston-Salem? No one cares about Winston-Salem. So definitely don't want to read into Winston-Salem. He's playing better tennis right now than Daniel Altmaier is a better hardcore player. And they're one and one all time. <laughs> I can't believe Mike Hastings just said I was sponsored by Tim Van Lair Gallery. Uh, yeah. But it does seem like it sometimes. Uh, but no, but they, he won their only meeting on a hardcore, which came back four years ago. So that is, uh, I will have more hats throughout the U.S. Open that we'll right. get to see. But this is just my, my first round hat, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, he, I, I, I like the way he's playing, man. I, I think he wins this match. He should be the favorite. He should be a minus 120, minus 130 favorite in this match. Just glad we don't have a Winston Salem drinking game because that would have been a lot. That would have been a lot right there. Uh, Pam, another one of the picks I wanted to get your thoughts on. Speaking of fading Americans, you've got a couple different versions of action on this game, but we went with the money line underdog pick. Acosta over Isner? <laughs> this is purely, you know what? John Isner had just already announced his retirement. What the heck is he playing for? He's 8 and 13 on the year. He's 5 and 9 on hard court. And he's played 21 matches this year in 2023, 24 tie breaks. So automatically, you should just be taking the plus games with anybody that Isner plays with because he doesn't know how to not play a tie break. 21 mm. matches. 16 of those were had a tie break in it. So automatically take the plus four games. And because he's already on his way out, take the money line. Two to one. Absolutely. <laughs> on these conditions, his ball's not going to be popping as much. What's his motivation? He's already announced his retirement. Just take the YOLO plus two to one. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good point. I want to open it up to you guys. When you're, I guess, betting against or betting on a match that involves a, a let's say, tie break heavy player, like this strategy of like sprinkle money line and then also the plus games because the, the logic being it's probably going to be a close game spread regardless if they're in a lot of these tie breaks. I think I'd normally just go to the over. Like if that's the way you think it's going to go, I'd rather just play the games and hope hope for the tiebreakers. I just uh, I, I do think that Isner, if he gets it to tiebreakers with Acosta, he will win. I think that, you know, I know that he has one foot out the door, but part of him definitely wants to have a nice send off here in New York. Yeah, and Kenny's going to make a bet right now, I think. Oh, no, he's back. No, he's back. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can hear me very clearly, but I do disagree with Pam. I don't know if that I, – I, that wasn't uh, the one sentence I wanted to hear bit. clearly. But I, I, the one thing that we can't forget about with John Isner is that he is at his most dangerous when he does not play a lot of tennis. I, I don't think you guys can hear me very well, so no, I'll we stop my you. No, we Okay. Well, he – he does not play very well, or he plays very well when he has not played a lot of tennis. And what happens is every year we get this guy coming into the U.S. Open, we think he's so dangerous because he does so well in the hardcourt lead-up, and he tires himself out for the U.S. Open. So I actually think this is a good spot to play, isn't there? And I also think his draw is open in front of him. He has some very beatable opponents if he can win this match. So I think he has a little bit to play for. I think he wants to make a run here before he's all said and done. And I think this is—I think this is a good spot. To, I wouldn't lay the money line here. I wouldn't lay the games with Isner for sure. I think the plus games Pam's right about—that's a good bet. But I think John Isner wins this match. I think John Isner is a dangerous player here. And again, I'm sweating right now. It's sunny, so this 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 serve is going to be serving. So I, that's all I can say. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. All right, we got more tennis bets here. We're on all your platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We're also on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I want to get a synergy pick in because I love when it happens, especially when you give Kenny the chance to just uh, rip a certain player. Uh, so let's talk about Vertanen, how Zico and Kenny are both on Vertanen plus 145. And uh, Kenny, you can just rip on Echeverry one more time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm also, once again, I mean, my, my main thing, right, is this guy has played 470, roughly, 476, 476 matches in his career. How many hardcore matches would you guess Tomas Martin Echeverry has played? I, I mean, we've, we've done this before. I don't know. Yeah, he's played 53. 53 yeah. out, of, uh, out of almost 500 have been on hardcourts and – most of his hardcore matches were he won a lot of futures. If you look at since he came back to the tour or, or really on the tour level, even at the challenger level, I believe he is six and 14 on hard courts. So even fewer matches on hard courts. It just, it's, it's not a good time to play this guy. And if you look at the other side of this matchup, while no one really knows who Bertanen is, myself included, you got you to pay attention to this kid's results this year. He won little challenger. He's beaten some, he's won two challenger titles this year. He's beaten some very, very good players on hard courts, be it indoor hard courts. We've never seen him do it in best of five. He beat Jerry Shang in the last round of qualifying. That was a huge win for him. Three pretty good opponents. And again, you know, he's been up and down, but all young players really are. You have bad losses, you have good wins as a young player. But if you look at some of the quality wins he's had, he beat Max Purcell, who we all know is the best player that ever walked the earth. He beat, you know, he, uh, in, to, to win a challenger. He also beat Kruchki, Sparankis, Dominic Stricker, Rodionov is a good player, a big serving lefty. He has a good resume here of challenger wins. And I think a guy who can play on hard courts against a guy who cannot play on hard courts in Echeverry, last time we saw him on a hard court, he lost. So, yeah, I, I think right. this is a perfect time to fire him up. Zico, what uh, is your logic for this one? I wish I could say it was different, but it's like exactly the same. In my write-up for VSIN, I literally wrote that. I know very little about Vertanen, and I question anybody that said that they do. So <laughs> I was really just fading Echeverry. And, yeah, like Kenny said, I think this is a guy that's not really confident on hard courts, especially outdoor hard courts. In Toronto, when he lost to Cordera, he looked like he had no idea what wind was. So I think that Vertanen is just a good pick with, as, you know, a big server with a lot of power. So I think he's going to win this match. <laughs> I'd like to uh, apologize to the Echeverry family once again. <laughs> I would not. The you know, you know why? You know why, Mitch? Twist. You know why? Because they, because he weighed that amazing round of Roland Garros. I guarantee you that you know they are. They went on a nice vacation. I yeah. bet you they're they're eating well. So is Tomas. So. Yeah. I uh, I know I, I understand it. I know it's look. I, the logic's there. The hard court success isn't there. So we'll see if the uh, the unknown Vertanen can make a move. I have a pick. I want to get it on my own. Just want to hear your thoughts, especially Pam. What you think about this one? But. I'm looking at Stanimal today at three and a half games. 
All right, let's look up. I haven't looked at Stan. I like Three that and a half. Minus 112, Nishioka. Nishioka. Oh, man. Just tell me that you're not playing Nishioka. Um, I think this could go like a full five sets. Nishioka is one of those backboard players. He gets everything into play. You've seen him be competitive against big-time servers like Berrettini. You've seen him be competitive against uh, other backboards like George. So, like, he is a very competitive can grind a five-set match. And Warinka, as good as he is, these conditions may be useful to him if the, it cools down a bit. But if you're playing the day, I could see this going, like, the distance. Um, who comes out the victor? I would love to see Stanable make a run, but I'm not convinced that it's going to be a win for him. I think he's locked in. I think this is, like, a last dance situation, too. So I would love that. Dan's playing excellent tennis right now. I, I, I love him today. Yeah, I mean it's it's worth considering. Uh, I think at least uh, Zico, we got a, we got a, one of the longest names in the draw. You're like Bodic. You're going against the Aussie Jordan Thompson plus four and a half games, even money. Yeah, and I also like Bodic a little bit on the money line if you want to put like a half a unit on that too. I just think that you look back maybe six to eight months. I think that the, the line on this would have been Bodic minus two fifty or something. I know. He's playing, you know, really poor tennis. I think, you know, he fired his coach earlier in the year. Hasn't been a good year for him overall, but I do think that he's just the more talented player between these two. I think his forehand will be the biggest weapon on the court in this match, and I just don't really believe that Thompson's a great player. So, I think mean, this is just a very winnable match. I'd say, you know, he has a puncher's chance almost. So, I think that that's a good shot. Uh, you know, plus four and a half seems like a lot of games, and I do think Moneyline, he has a really good chance of winning. Yeah, I... I... No, I think the line movement in this is fascinating from week to week, from month to month. And, uh, Kenny, we can talk about a couple different matches as well. Uh, you're, you're backing a lot of guys that have come out of qualifying, I've noticed, looking at the picks. Uh, Marino Del or Alboran? Marino de Alboran. Marino de Alboran, yeah. Rob <laughs> An it. American. An American. A local, right? He's a New Yorker? Uh, I'm New actually Yorker? not sure if he's no. a New Yorker. But, but what I am you, sure of is this guy wins matches. Yeah. Okay. This guy wins a lot of matches. And okay. he's very good. And I, I will tell you what, you know, he, 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 again, he had some, his qualifying ones weren't as good as a, you know, as some of the other guys that I like, but his challenger results have been excellent. He's won one challenger this year. He went to the final of another. Uh, he's beaten some decent, you know, decent competition, but I, I just, I really, really think that Lorenzo Sanigo is not in a very nice place right now. Uh, I, I think he doesn't deserve to be a huge favorite in this match. I think Moreno de Alvaron at least takes one set. Um, he, he has some magic in his racket, which is, I think, another thing that I'll say. He's won eight out of his last ten matches. And mm -hmm. Sonigo has kind of gone backwards. He's lost three of his last four. He, again, did a, two of those wins that he's had in his last ten came on clay. The hardcourt swing got smoked by got smoked by Fritz, smoked by Murray. He got by Shevchenko. It was a very close match against Shevchenko. I, I think Marino de Alboran's very live to take a couple sets here and really, really push Sonigo to the limit i think he can win this match i'm also going to uh pick him to win uh so i, I think uh i think i mean it's going to be a good day for an american qualifier and we do need that after what jj wolf did yeah. yesterday well yeah i mean that's a nice parting shot but fair i think that was a tough one for jj um no game spreads are good here Senego hasn't done anything to write yeah, zhang is a very tough opponent i mean, I mean when i saw zhang beat yeah. fritz at altitude in madrid that guy looked like the best mm -hmm. player of all time it was crazy. like he was <laughs> And he, and he played well here last year too, so it's not a bad loss. I'm just, I'm, I'm just making jokes, yeah. you know. And just to circle back to like the Isner point is big. Like the draw matters in this stuff. Like you can get a qualifier, you can get a really tough game player like Wolf did yesterday. Um, all right, so Pam, I want to talk to you about this topic that you brought up pre-show. 
about, and I know we have a panelist that has action on this match specifically, but a uh, friend of yours had a multi-sport, very rarely that there, you know, not even much tennis in there, but a big parlay that has hit every leg except for the last one, which is tennis. And if we're going to look at this, it's a, what, seven-leg parlay? Seven-leg parlay. $25 to win seven grand. Okay. And there's one leg left. Why in the world would this person trust Sir Andy Murray? <laughs> Women straights. To win oh. in straight sets. Granted, okay, I'm, uh, is I'm so happy Mutet. that you know this person. Okay, hold, on, so. hold on. It's against Corotin Mutet. And I told him, you have to hedge this because, because Murray has an abdominal tear. And that's why he's withdrawn from his last two matches. And so, granted, he has yeah, had never, never mind the fact that Quarantine was set sick as heck at tennis. I mean, let's so, talk about so that. Before we get into the match itself, I, I want to, and Pam, I want to hear your thoughts first. What would the strategy be to hedge in this? I think we all agree that hedging is the right play, but how do you hedge a straight sets bet, especially when it's, you know, some books might not have the best and most options? So the suggestion that I made was if you took Murray to win in straight sets, then it's a, it's a hedge for hedge, which is you just take Mutet to win one set. That's all you got it. That's all you can do if you're just looking for a straight hedge. Now I did ask another friend of mine who's also in tennis, um, and he said, "Try to middle. Why don't you take Mutet at plus games and try to hit both Murray to win in straight sets and Mutet to win plus to cover the plus five and a half. So it was something like seven six seven six um, or like seven whatever he said <laughs> three set win um, just with a closer match, and that would get him to win both." Um, and then, or I was like, you could just like go YOLO. I mean, it's $25 to win seven grand and Murray is clearly the better player. Just write it. Zico, how do you see this one? And, and what would your plan of attack be? Yeah, unfortunately I know it's not as easy as it sounds, but I think that the play here would be to put 4,000 to win 2000 on Mutet to win a set. Then you either Definitely. win 3k if the original bet wins or you win 2K if the, if the other one wins. And I think that's the best way to do it. So, Totally. I completely agree with Zico. I'm not messing around with the game spread here, um, especially with Mutet playing with one wrist. So that's always something you got to consider. But I, I think that – I mean, I think Mutet might win this match. I really do. I think when we've seen him, he struggled on clay because he's playing a lot of slice backhands because he can't play a two-hander. But when we saw him go back to gra- – we go, saw him go to grass, he started winning. And hard courts, he's won again. And so – he can win matches with that slice backhand. He just he, – he can't do it on clay, right? So I think when you look at this matchup, especially when Pam mentions the injury concerns with Andy Murray, the fact that, you know, Andy Murray in general is is never a guy that has won matches very easily, and again, unless it's against Lorenzo Sonigo, which, you know, all the more reason to fade Sonigo today. I do and think that this is the way to do it. That's the thing. That's the best point right there. The best – the best point you made. Yeah, I mean, I think the best point there is that Murray is not the guy that wins in straight sets. He's always been the one that battles and will have interests there. Yep. I know Kenny has the game spread at Mutet plus five and a half uh, versus Murray even money. And I like that for the sense that there usually isn't a match. And I think we've seen it, Pam. There's always one set where Murray just doesn't quite have it. I mean, he is also older. He has a hip. He hasn't. He's coming out of injury. There's just like uh, my question was to him was, how did you pick Murray as your final leg? <laughs> Does, it just doesn't make any sense. You take Medvedev three zero for for crying out loud. I, I look. I think 
I, I think one thing I, I said it kind of tongue in cheek on Twitter because he posted a he posted a, a message about his wrist and he was like, I'm gonna keep playing through it. It's getting better. I'm trying to. But like, and I was like, this guy. I said warrior, and he and Quarantine Mitchell liked it. But I would say he really is a warrior. I mean, you know, he's very demonstrative on court. So I think a lot of people don't give him enough credit for how dig how deep he digs and how how tough he is to beat. Uh, he's a guy that fights till the end. He's a very tricky tennis player to get through. So absolutely, Andy Murray's going to have a lot of trouble solving him, especially without a lot of experience facing him. Yeah. This is a fun one, too. I mean, we've got all this different advice. We're all saying the same thing. Zico's like, just dump the bank account. Just throw it all at it and make sure you, you hedge properly. If, if you want to dump the uh, bank account, you would just do sure. it on Grigor Dimitrov to beat Alex Molchan today because that's, I mean, that is, that's easy. That's an easy way to make it, some money on an investment better. right there. There you go. That's so. That's number one. Even more than Echeverry, it's it's Molchan who's is high on the. It really, it's always Molchan. I don't understand why. I, I mean, that guy. If I had to rank players, he'd be ranked like three ten. I mean, what? Why? Why? I don't get it. I don't understand. How does he win? How do people like him? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, the only other the only other pick I have, uh, Kenny Zico Pam. The only other one on the women's side is I'm taking Fiona Crowley at plus four and a half games oh. first Pavlyuchenkova. You really haven't seen Pavlyuchenkova do much since that French Open, and uh, winning qualifying college tennis, American, all the vibes are there. Just need to keep it relatively close, and I think she will. Yeah, I like that one. That's been a popular one, too. I've seen a lot of people taking it. Is there any other picks that we haven't gotten to yet? Pam, anything uh, else on your board going forward? Oh, I, there is one. I forgot. There's one tomorrow because we had, to, we, had to, <laughs> we had to get through all this stuff today, but you do have a match tomorrow. I'll let you talk about it. You're back on your boy. Underdog I'm back money. on my boy. Dominic Team is going to make a run. Please tell me that you cannot tell me that having a straight set win for him in the first round of a major is a major confidence boost to him. Slower conditions helped him yesterday. Yes. There's a potential that it is still going to be slow-wish because it is 80 degrees compared to like 90. I mean, it's still beneficial. But, I mean, he was able to control more pace. It's the, the, he doesn't, He's not going to get that much of a pop compared to other players. Straight set win in a major big boost. I'm so excited. Um, I mean, he's 5-2 and two against lefties. Ben Shelton, we are talking about him. We are talking about Shelton at the beginning of the show. He hasn't really proven himself in these types of situations. He's had one good run almost a year ago. And now what? I mean, that was seven months ago, however long that was. But the backhand is there for team. The serving is there for team. He needed that forehand, and he is now in rhythm. And he's an underdog to Ben Shelton, who is a far less experienced player at the U.S. Open, something that he has won. He's a, he is a major winner at the U.S. Open. Give me Dominic Team on the money line all day. First well, win at the I'm, U.S. I would, Open since like she I would just like to say Matteo Berrettini could have walked behind me in our shots, but we did do the one shot on Pam. So that was it. That, that oh. was maybe an unforced error by our <laughs> oh. That was it. Oh, no. Could have seen him, could have seen him live on tennis. Hell our female just turn on Netflix. It's same. fine. Yeah, to just keep it on me. Yeah. <laughs> Even if Zach's got, yeah. I, well, one thing, the one, the only thing I'll say in response to Pam is I don't think I'm not going to say he's not going to win, but you could not pay me enough money to bet on that match. I yeah, like yesterday with Korda and Vucevic, I took the over. Or like today with Feast and Greek score. There's some matches. Just I, I'm not. I look. There's like a million matches. I, there's no way I'm betting on that match. But I will say, if I yeah. probably had to take a side, it would be team because I don't. I, I yeah. said it at the top. I don't think Sheldon is going to be a player in this quarter because I, I don't think we've really seen him in best of five produce at a high enough level to trust him. So I think team is definitely the side I would take if I had to take a bet here. But no, I'm staying far, far away. 
Money is coming in on team. That line has dropped. Shelton is under minus 130 now. We'll see where it closes tomorrow. Uh, Zico, before we wrap, anything else on your card? You've got a lot of picks, but you know, you're feeling yourself here. Anything else? No, I mean, I guess I would just say one more time that I'm still pretty high on Sam Sanova to make a really deep run at this tournament. If you could get a future on it live, I think she looked really good in the second set of her match today. I think that I would still take it. But the odds were way too long. I think that quarter is wide open. Um, we didn't talk mm, about uh, Shevchenko against Nori as well. I don't know if anyone has a play on that, but I do. I like Shevchenko to push Nori just because of his big matchability. I think he's going to take a set. Nori's been terrible, really, all, almost all year. I wouldn't say terrible, but he's been definitely not the same guy as he was the last few years. He's been very flat. And Shevchenko's a big match player, almost took out Sinner and Medvedev on the clay this year. He has a big forehand. He has weapons. And I don't think he's – I mean, I think he has a chance to win this match because of the way that we've seen Nori perform really at the Grand Slams and at the big tournaments this year and just in general. But I, I don't know what you guys think about Shevchenko and what do you think about this match. I know it's a little trendy, but ultimately, yeah, I think this is a match that he, he – he, Nori really struggles in. And I know he took You're the first set here, so it's not Nori looking good. Nori is up a set 6-3. Um, right. I mean, his stats are kind of crazy. 90% win on first serve. So, I mean, Nori seems to be doing just fine for now. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's even more of a reason to like Shevchenko to come back here because you know Nori is not going to serve that well for the rest of the rest of the match. But he is playing well. No opinion otherwise. <laughs> Mitch clearly has nothing to say. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> no, I – No, I uh, – The Phoenix how, Challenger how was uh, an interesting one City, for and I, him. And you're the one on the delay and not me. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk to engineering here. Uh, Shevchenko, <laughs> I think it's a value bet. I think the opportunity is there. He's been different. Sorry. I was hearing everything. I was listening. You're very persuasive. No, I know. I'm, I'm um, your, all right. Your anything voice else is we want to get? Sound and crispy today, Mitch. I know. Hey, it's. I'm just upset. I miss Berrettini. That's all. I just. I'll never recover from that. Um, that all right. Anything else before we go, uh, Pam? Anything else? Go team. Team team. Team, team. All right. I think we're good. Kenny's going to be on tennis bets all week long. He's got something coming up at 3 Eastern. Check him out there for some picks. Zico's going to be writing for tennis.com, making his picks. Also on Vicent, Emma Maldonado making her appearances on this show. Also on Yahoo Sportsbook with golf and now football. Glad you were able to you know push delay on college and pro football for us. It's really appreciative. It is the time of year where you tell your friends and family, I will see you in February. <laughs> I know that's just perfect. We're going to, we're going to have a lot of tennis to talk about. We're going to have a lot of people to break down all the bets here on tennis bets. Check us out later this week on Friday. We're going to have a show and then a couple of shows next week. It's going to be fun. We're on tennis channel, YouTube, tennis.com, Facebook, and tennis bets, Twitter, and on the podcast network, Spotify, Apple, you name it. So for Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohn, and Pamela Maldonado, I'm Mitch Michaels. Thank you for watching or listening to tennis bets. And we'll talk to you later in the week. Enjoy the tennis. Bye.